Welcome to episode number four of Consider the Source. I am your host, Clay Scruggs. It's good to be back. Took about a month off. Need to get some things squared away as far as guests and line up some new things. That way, keep bringing you some fresh material. So I hope that you enjoy what we have in store over the coming weeks and months. My guest today is Tyler Hatley. Tyler Hatley is a singer-songwriter originally from Denver, North Carolina, relocated here to Gaffney, South Carolina, and is one of the budding stars of the newfound country music scene around the upstate of South Carolina. We talk about songwriting and the impact of original music. We even stop to talk about hunting and all sorts of other just kind of little things that make, you know, small town guys, small town guys. So really hope you guys enjoy it. I enjoyed recording it. It starts off a little bit rocky as we're kind of filling each other out throughout the conversation, but toward the end, we really hit it off and I really had a good time. So before I waste any more of your time, here is Tyler Hatley. All right, there we go, and we're live. Welcome to Consider the Source, episode number four. Uh, I am joined today with a new guest, a little bit of a different speed here on the show. We've talked about sports a lot so far, Uh, but today we have someone who's not in any way uh, related to sports at all. Uh, Our guest today is Tyler Hatley. Tyler Hatley is a country music singer-songwriter. He's originally from Denver, North Carolina. He's relocated here to our hometown of Gaffney, South Carolina, and he is one of the main uh, stars, I guess you could say, of our local country music scene, and uh, we're glad to have him on. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Before we get started, uh, what I was saying, we had some technical difficulties a few minutes ago, so restarted the whole thing but what i was saying was uh before all that messed up was i found i found you on spotify almost totally by accident uh i was i was listening to a playlist one night at work and uh your song in came you came on on the playlist and i started listening and i was like i don't i don't know who this guy is but this is pretty good here so i got to the end of the song i went to your you are mountain ep and we'll get into that i'll let you promote that a little bit later on the show i went to that and i listened to the whole thing well uh what the way i found out really who you are is i went to high school and hung out with a lot of the same people that your girlfriend emily hung out with back in high school you know all being from a small town everybody knows everybody and everybody dies famous well uh so i come home that night and my wife and I, we were going to eat in Spartanburg, and she said, uh, we need to stop by Emily Harden's house. I bought some clothes for our little boy from her that she had of Rikers that she was selling. And I said, all right, that's fine. Well, when we're sitting in y'all's driveway, I was messing around with Spotify. And I was like, oh, hell, I'm going to go listen to this again. So I turned it on, and she gets in the car, and we start in the radio. I said, like, hey, have you heard this? This Tyler Hatley guy, he's good. And she looked at me like I was from another planet. And I was like, what? And she said, uh, you, you just left his house, you dumbass. And I was like, what What are you talking about? And that was kind of how I figured out who you were and found out, uh, you know, we know Chris Deadman and all those guys from Dirty Grass Soul. And I kind of figured out uh, who everyone was through that. And I really kind of showed me what a small world it is. 
as well as you being from Denver, North Carolina, and I used to live in Mooresville and uh, worked delivering race parts and stuff in Denver and all that. So uh, really, I was like, whoa, what a, what a small world there when I first found out about you. But uh, enough of that. Uh, do you mind telling us how you kind of got started in the music? Like what, like what inspired you to get started or what really motivated you to just be like, hey, I, I want to take up this music thing? It was a um, a summer transition going from one school, one county school system to another one, um, and uh, you know when you when you make a move like that, it wasn't it wasn't real far away, but it was far enough away where my buddies that I used to be able to go outside and ride my bike over their house and stuff like that were too far away, and um, at that point in time. It was going from like sixth grade to seventh grade. So I moved in the summertime and I got there and didn't really have any friends where I was at. So um, my uncle just happened to give me a guitar and I'd always been like really musically driven as far as, you know, I always wanted to listen to music and um, that sort of thing. And I was listening to Corey Smith at the time and I just thought that... um, you know, his songwriting and stuff like that, just something about it just kind of stuck with me. So I got this guitar. I learned three or four chords over the summer and started just, you know, trying to piece some songs together and, and learning songs that are, that are easy enough to play. It's amazing how many country songs you can play with just G, C, and D. So that's pretty much where it started, just one summer not having anything better to do. Um, I want to ask you, I'm not trying to veer off course, but, you know, starting out something small like that, just uh, trying to learn something new. And like you said, nothing better to do. Uh, when you look back, starting to play music, just in the summer, transitioning to a new school or a new place where you live, to you just got back from Oregon from the Wild Hair Country Fest, and you're out there playing with guys like Whitey Morgan and Coach Johnson. Do, do you ever get to stop and, like, be like, wow, like, Look what I like to yourself, I guess. Like, look what I've done. Like, how did I manage to pull this off? Yeah, in a sense, you know, it, it is cool to, to be involved with stuff like that. But what you really end up doing is standing side stage for Cody Johnson and saying, Wow, look what he's done. You know, it's like there's always, there's always somewhere else to get to, another platform to try to reach, and um, stuff like that is definitely a, a big motivator for me to um, work hard and, and put more time and effort into this thing because it's only ever going to be as big as, you know, you want it to be. It let a lot of stuff get in the way of, of doing it. And, um, you know, as much as I'm not saying that I don't play a lot because like this week, the only night that I, ha- I didn't play was Tuesday from Monday to Sunday. I got to play every day. So definitely um, putting in the man hours as far as, as doing it. But, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that it takes just as much time. It's it's about a full time job, just trying to promote yourself and keep everything updated and keep everything going. And I definitely am not the best at that. Luckily, I have some some people that do their best to help me out. And, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a big moving object, and it's always moving. I mean, I know personally, even with this podcast deal, I'm the battle me and you went through just to just to be able to line up a time for us to talk uh, with us both working full-time jobs and stuff, I can understand how that would be 
so hard. How how do you keep up with me? Because you do have a, a day job, and you like you say you played every night, but one this week. Uh, so, like is is that difficult to keep up with, or is it something you just kind of you become accustomed to by now? It's definitely difficult. It's um, it's just so yeah. You you do kind of learn. You know, I I do things a little bit different now and try to um try to get the shows through the week done and and get home and get in the bed. Where you know, over the years I I didn't always make that decision. Sometimes I'd stay out a little bit too late, but. Yeah, it's just a balance, you know. Try and try, try my best to get everything that I have to get done with my job done during the day, and um, you know, spend a little bit of family time before I run up the road and, and play these shows. And there's sometimes there's not a lot of time for any of that, but it's really just, you know, you gotta upset everything as a priority, and uh, sometimes you miss a few meals and. Definitely, definitely miss some good quality time at home. But right now, it's—I guess it's just about playing as much as I possibly can and you know, saving up money to, to make another record. Right, right. Um, so you—you you told the story there. I'm gonna go back to the beginning. I know I'm jumping around, but uh, you told the story there about how you kind of got started playing music and uh, your uncle giving you a guitar and stuff like that from what I understand, you know, I, I didn't know a whole lot about you before I started listening to your music or whatever, but from what I understand from hearing you on another podcast that you did with Eric Moore, which his podcast is awesome, and uh, I, I heard you say that you kind of really got started playing music when you were like 18 and uh, decided that you were going to really pursue music when you were 19 and stuff like that, and I think you say you're 28 now. Uh, so who... What artists or influences do you, or were you like influenced by family? I guess to kind of start doing this thing. Where, like, how did you kind of develop your own style? Because you you have a style that is uniquely yours. There's, like, you're not the next anyone. You're the first Tyler Hatley, and I would think that's probably something you pride yourself on. Yeah, that's a cool thing to hear for sure. Um, you know, it was a lot of factors that played into, you know, just figuring this whole thing out. And still, every day, you know, it's. It's kind of like you're you're always growing as a person, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, every way you can possibly grow. So, a lot of times, it's it's kind of just you know let the song kind of take you where it wants to go. And there's in a writing process, you know, obviously we want to market ourselves as country music. Um, you know, sometimes that's not always the best thing to tell somebody. I play country music because a lot of people are really fed up with commercial country music. But um, it was like, it was just a, a mixture of all the music that I came up listening to. And then there were some guys around Mooresville that were doing music on a little bit bigger scale and traveling and touring. And I actually knew a guy that I went to high school with who told me, hey, these guys are playing up here in Mooresville, you know, I was 20 minutes from Mooresville, you really should come up here and check them out, and um, and I, will, I want you to meet them, so that it started with just going up to a place in Mooresville, Big Al's pub, and um, and hearing some of these guys play, and then getting up there on their breaks, and playing some songs, and kind of getting the feel for what it was like to go play live music for people, so after I went and did that, and played that first night there, um, 
about four days later, the guy <coughs> who I was playing with called me up and said, hey, I'm going on a run to uh, Easley, South Carolina on Thursday night, and I'm going to Ohio and Pennsylvania for the weekend and playing some bull rides. Would you like to go play with me? And I, Yeah, and so once I kind of got the feel for going out and playing for new people and meeting new people, I was pretty much hooked on that. It's a it's definitely a really cool thing to be able to sit down in front of strangers and play songs and then them kind of take it in. Any, anytime, anytime somebody, uh, you can tell if somebody genuinely likes what you're doing. And, you know, that's a, that's a crazy feeling, even when it's just a couple people, you know? Right. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that you mentioned uh, Big Al's Pup there. Uh, I've been thrown out of there plenty of times in my mortal <laughs> days. But uh, now, I, I wondered, you know, whenever I first heard about you being from Denver, I wondered, uh, because we're close to the same age, I'll be 27 in a month, and you're 28. So I, I kind of wonder, I was like, I almost wonder if I probably ran across him at some point in time uh when i lived in mooresville but hell maybe i have if you played at big owls and stuff like that but uh when did you start you started playing around then when did you start uh really getting into songwriting because i would imagine and correct me if i'm wrong because i'll be the first to tell you i don't know shit about the music industry i i love country music i'm not not a big fan of country radio anymore but uh anyway i i don't really understand I guess the levels to it, but I would assume that there are levels like start playing the guitar, you kind of find a feel for uh, singing, and then I guess you would start songwriting then, right? Or how does all that work? Yeah, um, in my circumstance, I started singing in a car seat. <laughs> um, Joe, Diffie, <laughs> Joe Diffie songs and Brooks and Dunn songs in my mom's minivan, you know, as a little kid, and then um about the time i picked up a couple chords you know the first couple chords and I, I, I pieced some songs together and they sounded a lot like a, a watered down version of something you'd hear from Corey smith or something like that at the time and um just writing songs about drinking and stuff and i was too young to even really be drinking so my mom wasn't crazy about the, the songs i was coming <laughs> up with but you know i was just speaking the truth and kind of putting it out there how it was going down uh, my fir first couple songs were you know just about small town carolina living and um you know there's not a whole lot to do when you're 18 in denver north carolina you know you, you just hope hope there's somebody around that'll buy you a case of beer and and then you, you build you a bonfire with your buddies and sit around and drink as many of them as you can and drink the leftovers the next day and that's pretty much the stuff i was writing songs about and um you know now it's it's there's never like a set thing with the songwriting it it just kind of once once you knock a couple songs out then you just have a you know a little bit of confidence about it so i've written songs about everything under the sun you know from from love stories to breakup songs to you know just fictional stories that i just you know it just comes to you and there's there's not really any kind of method of, of it it just happens um, a lot of songs that i end up writing that i end up keeping and playing end up being from an accident you know just kind of like you were saying how you discovered me it's just like an idea that comes to my head and i get fixated on it and then end up, end up writing a song about it so right you even wrote one one time about 
not not telling people sorry, just welcome to the motherfucking party. I, I kind of like <laughs> that one myself. Not, yeah. Uh, go yes, ahead. Sir. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wrote that song. Yeah, I got kicked out of a bar on a Sunday, and um, there was one bar that I lived right close to horse feathers it was just right down the road from me and um it's in Cheryl's Ford but I would I got kicked out of a bar on Sunday I got a little rowdy or something I don't really remember but I remember going to horse feathers where I feel felt at home they never kicked me out of horse feathers you know it's like it's my safe haven so I sat outside of horse feathers and I was just I was angry and I and I wrote that song in about five or ten minutes and um still to this day it's hard to make it out of a place without playing it because people want to hear it. And it's fun to play, but there's also <laughs> a lot of people, you know, in my family, like my mother and my grandmother, who despise that song. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one well, of those uh, things that follows you around, you know. Right. I, uh, I hate to say it, but I've only got to see you live once just because, I guess, scheduling conflicts and life and other things coming up. But that was... Uh, it was by an accident too, really. My wife and I went to eat dinner at the freight yard. We pulled up and I walk in there and I was like, "That looks like Tyler Hatley up there on the stage." And uh, I ended up looking on Facebook and you were saying you were playing there. But that was the first time I'd heard that song because obviously, unfortunately for me, it's not on your EP and it's not really. I think I found it once on YouTube, but it's not like part of the. Red Era concert series stuff that you know and stuff like that. It's not on there, but that was the first time I'd heard it. And I remember you saying that you were going to play the because your mom didn't like it, and you saw a lot of Christian faces. You were going to play the G version, and when, when you said that, I looked at my wife. I was like, that, "That's the G version." <laughs> but, uh, but now I really like that. I think I think we can all like you were talking about growing up small town Carolina. We can all relate to that in some way or another. If you haven't been thrown out of a bar by now, you're either going to get thrown out of a bar or you're not doing something right. So, uh, but I'm trying to find my show notes here. Uh, what what is the process? You know, like I told you, I don't really know a whole lot. So, um, kind of picking your brain. What what is the process when you when you sit down and you decide you like I'm going to write a song or like how does that work? Do you, do you get something stuck in your head or are you just strumming your guitar and come up with something like what, what is your process for writing a song? Like how do you come up with that? A lot of times it's a one line or two lines that um, for whatever reason, it just hits my head. And, and then I, you know, start thinking about it. The majority of the time when I have an idea, which I feel like is a good idea to write a song, it's like at a very inconvenient time. Um, you know, like if you're if you're working right in the middle of something or you're driving with a car full of people, something like that, then you, you have these ideas. And then what I try to do is, you know, make a, like a, a voice memo on my phone to revisit later. Um, a lot of times if you are able to work on the song right then whenever you're inspired and you have this idea, then I, I miss it. And it, it's just it just falls into a a voice memo selection on my phone that never gets revisited so it's it's really um you know there's so many ways that songs have came about um i've i've been laying on my back strumming guitar in the bed about to go to sleep and think of something and start writing songs i've been riding down the road and think of something i hear somebody say something like 
the other night, me and my buddy Justin Clyde were hanging out at a cookout on Monday, and I heard this. I heard him say um, he was talking about his new girlfriend and his life and how everything's changed and how much happier he is now that he's in this place that he's in. And somebody's told him, said, well, that's good that you found her. And he said, well, what's really good is I found me. And ever since then, I've had that line in my head, and I'm just waiting for an opportunity to sit down and, and write that song because I think that that could be a killer song. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll, I'll be with a, a, a group of buddies, songwriting buddies, and somebody will have a really good idea. And that happens to all of us. We get these ideas, and then we don't have time to work on them, or we just hit a brick wall when we're in the writing process. So some songs come from that, other people's ideas, and we like to help each other finish out our ideas and complete the songs and, you know, for the most part, for me, it's really just about it. It's it's always by accident. Every song, pretty much that I've ever written, I didn't set out to write that song. You know, a lot of times you'll start to write a song and it takes a turn. Um, right in the middle of the writing process, I, you're talking about Chris Deadman. Me and Kevin, his brother, were good buddies, and they actually cut one of my songs. Only only song that I've had so far that somebody else has cut and. But anyway, me and him sat down one time. We did a songwriters tour together around Christmas a few years back, and he he played me this chorus that he had, or like a, a verse in the chorus. And we sat down and we wrote the whole song, and I loved it. And um, you know, we probably had too much to drink that night. It probably was a little bit better than I thought. Well, then a couple of weeks later, I heard him play the song out live, and it was completely different than what we wrote. <laughs> you know, so he <laughs> he took those ideas and then and then recreated it and and made it himself again. And, you know, it it's just stuff like that. It's it's the opportunity. It's having the time and opportunity to be able to write a song and working a job. You know, it's hard a lot of times to find the time to be able to just do that. Um, you know, especially like like I was saying this week, I I got a full plate with work. Um, hasn't slowed down a bit this week. Plus playing every night. There's lots of lots of songs that I wish I could be working on. Some of these full-time Nashville guys, you know, that's their job to sit and write. And I think ultimately that would be my favorite job to have is just free time to to get to sit and write. But you know, I squeeze one in here and there, and uh, it's just I don't get to do as much as I wish I could. But uh, you were talking about. Uh writing songs there with Kevin and that was my next point I, I really wanted to touch on uh, the songwriting process more than anything because you know like to me that's the most inspiring thing I guess you could say about uh, someone being a singer songwriter like uh, I, I know it takes a lot of talent to be able to play guitar and sing because as much as I love country music or love music in general I know I'll never be able to do it so I I like being able to talk or find out things about people who can, but to me, it's a whole nother level to it when people write songs and uh, play their own original music. And I wanted to ask you about a couple of the, the things that you wrote that I kind of know about. And uh, one of them was, you kind of led into it, is uh, Fiddles and Rain that I know uh, Dirty Grass Soul and Kevin and those guys cut of yours. Uh, where where did you kind of get the inspiration for that stuff? Like, uh, where 
I guess how how did you kind of come up with that? Like, kind of walk me through the process of writing "Fiddles and Rain" because regardless of if it's you playing it on YouTube or uh, Kevin and those guys playing it up at Reds here in Gaffney, like that that's a hell of a song regardless of who plays it. And that is personally one of my favorite songs to listen to. But uh, so kind of how do you uh, kind of come up with that? Um, that song is probably one of my favorite songs, and it's probably going to stick around uh, for me as one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Um, it's, it seemed a lot of people seem to, to grasp onto that one, but it started, um, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a song that has a lot of truth in it, and it's also a song that has a little bit of fiction to kind of make the story, make, us, make the full circle there. But um, my grandmother been one of my biggest inspirations my whole life um definitely my biggest supporter and um i just watched her you know through throughout my life and growing up i just watched her be so good to so many people and and not always get that in return and um you know she was in a relationship with a guy um who, who played a fiddle in a band and um you know I, I know that she really loved him and it was like one of those things where I just feel like um, I, I know that he cared about her too, but I also feel like he didn't give her what she deserved. You know what I mean? Like, um, right? It, he was—he was pretty—he was pretty selfish. Uh, is probably the best way to put it. So I just took this this idea, and it was a song that I had an idea for for quite a long time, and um, and that's pretty much all it was was the idea of my grandmother and I wanted to tell her story um but it needed more it needed more than just the story so it it was crazy how it happened but um I was I was right around 20 age I believe um I wish I would have took took better notes about all this stuff because I couldn't tell you half the time (laughs) when I did stuff but I know I was right around age 20 or so I'd been in Oregon for uh, I went out there originally for a week, and then um, the guy that I was playing with out there, he's like, hey, I got a good show next week. It just came up. It's in Central California. You think you could move your, move your plane ticket back? And so I ended up supposed to be going for a week. I ended up staying for close to three weeks. So I went to Oregon, Washington, California, um, played, met a lot of people, and had a good time. But anyway, coming back home, I was not only – too young to to do anything as far as like drinking at a bar but i get to chicago o'hare airport and um i have have plane troubles so i get stuck there and they give me um a a like a food voucher for like 60 dollars for anywhere in the airport you can spend this um money and the only thing that was open in the airport was mcdonald's so i bought like 40 dollars worth of mcdonald's and uh, I remember giving another ticket voucher for 20 bucks or whatever to this guy behind me. And I was like, you know, I can't eat all this food. So anyway, they put me up in a hotel room, but I'm literally too young to drink. And there's a, there's a bar down there. I wanted to go to that, but, and I didn't have any money at all. The last little bit of money that I had out there, um, we, we played a show in Washington and we didn't get paid for it. So all the money that all of us had collectively, we put it in the gas tank to get us back to Oregon. So, anyway, I'm stuck in this Chicago airport, or Chicago hotel close to the airport there. I don't have anything with me, like clothes, 
guitar, um, phone charger was all that stuff was in my in my luggage that was that I didn't get back until I got home to Charlotte. So um, I just sat down and and started thinking about that song and kind of humming a melody and I wrote that song on a little notepad in the air in the hotel there and um i had a whole i had a whole little book of them little post-it note type things but i wrote the whole song on one for some reason i remember it just being so tiny and um and i was like i was so excited about that song it was it, a lot of songs you write them and then you go back to them and you change lines and and you do this and that but that was like the first one that I just wrote down one time and didn't have a guitar and didn't really have a, a good structure for it and wrote all the words. And then from that point to when I got home, I just couldn't wait to sit down behind a guitar and play that song. You know, it was like I had the song, but it, I, had, I had to finish it. So that's how that one came about. And just um, line after line and, and it just, it's, it's, it's stuck and, it's a pretty simple song. It's four chords all the way through. Um, Kevin and them recorded it and broke it up and added some added some different guitars and you know as far as like a couple different chord changes to kind of break up the monotony of it. But I never do. I play it just like I wrote it. And uh, I just got lucky, man. I I really like that song and and I've heard so many people say stuff about it. Um, you know, a lot of people. To be such an abstract story and the, and, the, and the way it goes, a lot of people say they can relate to that for whatever reason. So it's been a it's been a good song for me, for sure. Well, I think that's why I like it so much. You know, like it it, it kind of sounds weird that that you say you can relate to it, but uh, like, like when I listened to it, you know, the first time I heard it, I was like. That, that is relatable. It might not be really relatable in the sense of wrapping a van around a tree or playing a fiddle or anything like that, you know, but there's things you can relate to. And it, it, it kind of has more like a real life feel to it, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Right. So I, I guess that's kind of what uh, people like about it. Uh, another one of the songs I wanted to ask you about, uh, I may ask you about a third one might end it with this. I guess it just depends on how we're looking with time. Uh, I know I've heard before uh, at your live shows that your song Thickety Mountain had a lot of inspiration uh, uh, from the Gaffney area. I know you live in Gaffney now and uh, all that, but I've lived in Gaffney most of my life except for the uh, four, four, four or five years, something like that, that I lived in Orangeville. And then I moved to Salisbury for a little while. Uh, the last like six months I lived up there, but uh, but I guess like I was kind of curious about that because you not being from here and stuff like that, I was kind of curious how you drew inspiration for that because that that one there is probably I, I haven't found a song of yours that I don't like. That one is probably the one that I like the most. Like I I can sing along to that, bob my head, whatever. Like it, it has a real Gaffney feel to it now. I was just kind of curious about when you wrote that, how, how you kind of made it feel like that, especially considering you're, you're not from Gaffney. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So whenever I kind of got introduced to this crowd out here, there's a, there's a lot of people um, in this area that support live music, uh, not just one band or, or, you know, one style of music, but just live music as a whole, in this little 
area is like, you know, it's just, it's a good place for people like me because people will not only accept it um, and, and kind of, they, they just kind of hold you to a, to a standard where it's like, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. People just, they're really supportive, you know, and it's like, I've met people in this area particularly that were like, after you know them and you get past the, the meeting people type phase around here, it's like you go from, you don't know these people at all to they're like your family, you know, um, I've met a lot of people in this area that's like that. Um, so that song started about the time that Kevin got me introduced to this crowd out here and I got to play in front of them a lot. A lot of it came from like Plum Hollow Music Festival. Um, after I did that the first year, every time I'd come back to Gaffney, I could just tell that the crowd had grown, you know. So I met, I meet these people out here and there's a group of people out here um, that that have these shirts and koozies and everything, stickers on their vehicles that say Thickety Mountain Mafia. And I just had this idea for a song. When I first started writing the song, it was about, you know, like, I feel safe in Gaffney pretty much because ain't nobody gonna mess with me thinking Mountain Mafia's got my back. You know what I mean? It's right. not like a gang. It's not like any kind of violence or anything. It's just a group of good people. Right. And, uh, anyway, the, the song kind of evolved into what it is because it was just like going through stuff at home, um, dealing dealing with life and, and stuff that goes along with that. Um, it's really easy to, you know, get down and and just be worried about things that you can't you can't change. And that's one of my philosophies: is not to not to worry about stuff that you can't change. But anyway, I just I came out here one weekend um, in a horrible mood, you know, just a you know bad attitude about everything, the way everything was going and stuff, and, and kind of let myself go out here. And um, I was with some of my buddies, one of my boys is you know Thickety Mountain Mafia guy, and um, it was just like you know just came out here and let it out and. Um, had a good time and and went back home in a better mood. So it was it was just about you know getting out there and kind of letting all that stress and pressure off my back. And last time I hiked up Thickety Mountain, I didn't come back for a week or two. It was more like a um, at the time thinking about just like just getting out there. You know what I'm saying? Like right, let, yeah. letting it go and um, and not. Not carrying around the the stress and aggravation that I was dealing with at the time, so it was. And then it, you know, there's a verse in there about Red's watering hole, and that's that's my spot around here to go and have a couple beers and, and wind down. But you know, it's just the atmosphere and the people that are around this area, um, especially you know, a, a little bit older than me. People, I, I just I got attached to these people, and and they're good people, and. Um, I just I know they got my back. Um, right. But there's a line in that song that says, "Yes, I am a scoundrel, but they just don't care." And it's, you know, not really proud to think that I would be called a scoundrel by no means. But just the <laughs> the fact that these people out here, um, they just accept you for for who you are and what you are, and you know, even if they don't accept you, you don't have to worry about how they feel about you. You know what I mean? It's like, right. They're they're real people, and you know, Thickety Mountain. If, if you can drive around here, if you drive around Gaffney for twenty five minutes, you're eventually going to see something that says Thickety Creek, Thickety Mountain. You know, whatever. Right. I personally live about five minutes from 
bachelor thickety mountain area. So <laughs> I uh, I understand what what you're talking about. That I guess that's kind of what uh, I mean. I like it is like you're talking about. It kind of has a feel to it about the people around here. The first time I heard it, and I think I heard you say something about. Uh, I think you gave credit to Leslie at Reds or something like that on for sure. some YouTube video for it, and I was like, I was like damn, I hadn't heard this, and I listened to it, I was like, that's the most Gaffney song ever written right there, like, that, that yeah. is Gaffney in the song, so, uh, that, that's kind of what made me want to ask about that, the last thing I want to ask about is, uh, the last song I want to ask about, as far as, like, your songwriting, because we're at 35 minutes, so I want to keep it kind of short, I know you still got a full day of work and all that, but, uh, so, the last song I want to ask about is kind of your newest one that you put out there, uh, it's a tearjerker, man, my, my wife listened to or listened to it on the video that you posted on your Facebook. She was bawling like a baby, and that's uh, I believe the name of it is Daddy Song. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't take a lot to figure out where you came up with the inspiration of it, but I guess kind of walk me through that because that it has to be. I guess what I'm asking is, what does it take for a guy like you? Obviously, I can tell already that you're very person and you don't leave a lot on the table. You just throw it out there, but. Uh, I mean, you took something from your life and your family that, and you just laid it out there to the, for the world to hear, and it, it turned into a damn good song. So I guess kind of walk me through that, what, what it's like to just take and be like, yeah, here here it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, I was writing a song. I actually wrote two songs around the same period of time, you know, within a couple of weeks of each other, that song and another song. And, and both of them were just, um, you know, like you said, it was just, it was, it was just life and what was going on. And it was, you know, those two, those two songs in particular were, were really easy to write because it was just, um, it was, it was, that was my way of just kind of, I don't know, not venting, but, you know, just put, putting it out there of the, the turn that my life had taken. So, you know, up until this point, um, I hadn't, I hadn't really, um, been, been a dedicated, in a dedicated relationship, you know, I've been in relationships, but, um, they, you know, they weren't healthy for whatever reason, mainly my fault, um, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely hard to have a good relationship and can constantly be gone, constantly be traveling, um, you know, there's always, there's always some kind of pressure on you whether it's on me personally or um, with a girlfriend or whatever. So, you know, I, I just got to a point where I was like, you know, this is this is a real thing and I'm going to do it the best I can possibly do it this time. And this time around, there there's a third, third factor, you know. Um, so Riker obviously had the songs about him and, and just about, you know, it was it was something that I was learning. It was it wasn't something that I'd done before. You know, it was it was, uh, it was a journey in itself, and and it was just we were we were in this little apartment. Um, you know, we're we're in very close quarters, and I was playing guitar, and I was just kind of. They came very quickly. That song came very quickly. It was a uh, it was quick written, and I wrote it, and and we were all in the room together, me and Riker and Emily. So it was like. You know, it's just like it's as real, real life as it can get for me right now. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at, and um, you know, it's just 
for my friends that have came around, you know, since I've changed, since I've had this new life um, come about and, and, and be living out here and everything, I've got, I've got some really good songwriting buddies from all over the place. But in, in particular, I have a buddy from Kentucky, Nicholas Jamison. And um, he was like, he hadn't heard that song before. And he kind of saw uh, me and Riker's interactions. And he spent a couple of days with us here. And then we did a songwriters thing after he was here for a couple of days. And I played that song and he stopped me after it. And he was just like, the most compliments I've ever got from, from him. You know, He's always been very supportive of me. And he, he knows that. I look up to him for all his abilities from singing to songwriting. He's, he's one of the best. So whenever he was like, man, that was the most real song ever, you know, it, it, it was like, I'd play, I'd be playing it a little bit here and there. But then it, after he told me that, I'm like, you know, maybe I should try to take this song to the next level. So me and the new band actually um, are working on cutting a new record right now. And oh, I think we're going to put that song on the record just because, um, you know, like I was saying with Fiddles and Rain, that's another song where people have just have reached out to me through social media and stuff and just like, yeah, that's so relatable. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly where I'm at. And there's a lot of people um, that are secondhand parents, you know, in the world. And it's just like, you know, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to be there from the beginning. And sometimes you come in at a later, later stage in life. But the thing about, um, you know, a relationship, any kind of word, whether it's being friends with somebody or whatever, is like, you know, there's, there's different levels of that stuff. And as much as, um, as much as I love Riker and stuff, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> there's no blood connection there. So people, you know, some people are going to look at it as, um, you know, you, you can't love him like your own because he's not yours. But that's definitely not the case, you know. I'm around him every single day. Um, and it didn't take me very long at all from being around him to just be like, this is awesome. You know, he, this is somebody that he's just a little sponge. He soaks up everything and, and teaching him stuff and like just being around him and getting, the, getting to feel the, feel the role of, of being there for him to me has made me grow as a person. I don't know, tenfold, like, you know, it's it's hard for for some people to see, but all my buddies from from back home and their wives and girlfriends will tell you that uh, he just he he made me grow up. He made me understand that um, you know, there's a whole lot more to life than you know, <laughs> the way I was living it before before they came around. So it's a blessing to me, and I'm I'm just really stoked that people taking them songs like they do. Um, but yeah, that's it. It was, it was just, it was just the truth on the table there. That's pretty much it. it just, it just came and it, and it just kind of depicts how, how our life's going, you know? Well, that, I mean, that, that song there, it, it probably is one of the most relatable songs of yours that I've ever heard. Like, like we talked about Fiddles and Rain is relatable, but that one, uh, you're, by no means the first person to be thrust into a situation where you, you pick up and someone else's child and love them like your own. But, and I think sometimes I've, I've had friends that went through that and stuff like that. And sometimes that can boost a relationship with you and your significant other, or sometimes it strains people learn to do that. And I think it's awesome that, uh, 
I mean, aside from music, I mean, the song is what made us talk about it, but I, I think it's awesome that you're, it, and it shows the kind of person that you are, that you kind of took to him right away, like, even like you, the song like you were talking about there, uh, it shows what kind of person you are, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it, it helps him in the long run, you know what I mean? Everyone needs somebody. Well, I feel just as, um, as lucky, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of people, you know, especially my buddies and stuff that are into the same stuff I'm into, the hunting and fishing and getting outside and doing stuff like that. You know, like they say, you know, that little kid lucky. He got, he got you, you know, he's, he's not going to be deprived of, of doing that sort of stuff. But for me, um, I think I, I'm probably, I don't, I'm sorry if you can hear that. My dogs are having a royal rumble up here. Um, for me, you know, I feel like I gained more than anybody in the situation just because, like I said, it was like a saving grace type thing for me. Um, I, I'm definitely by no means perfect and probably not the best candidate for, for the job. But, um, you know, it has definitely helped me grow into a into a person that, I don't know, it, it, it's definitely helped me out. I, I don't know. You know, if it wouldn't have happened, if I wouldn't have met Emily, if I hope this whole thing wouldn't have happened, I don't know where I would be for sure. But I do know that I wouldn't be near as calm and I wouldn't be going to bed at 10 o'clock on a Friday evening when I like to play. You know, it's like <laughs> it's probably going to prolong my life <laughs> in the situation that I'm in. I've definitely slowed down a lot. Right. Um, so you're talking about the hunting and fishing and all that type of stuff there. Uh, what, what do you do? I know you don't, like you said, you don't have a lot of, spare time and you miss a lot of family time traveling and working a full-time job and all that kind of stuff but what what do you do when you're not playing music or when, when you have spare time but how do you kind of unwind from the you know the daily hustle and bustle of your job and trying to trying to sell shit and all that uh to make a living and then play music on the side what 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 does tyler hatley do to get away from all that um i'm blessed to be right here where i'm at i've got a um Emily's family has um, some beautiful land over here where we live, and um, we got we got a little pond. It's all it's a it's a quick go to for us because we can hop right on the golf cart, right, be over there in a couple minutes, and, and fish in the evenings. You know, we try to make as much time for stuff like that as we can. We catch me and Riker catch turtles. <laughs> we set turtle hooks and we catch turtles out here. And you know, he likes to go with me to bait my corn piles and stuff, and, and go out and check check the duck holes in the woods and just stuff like that um i've all, i've always made it a priority throughout the years of doing this band thing to take time off um during the hunting seasons to make sure that i get i get some of that in because that you know there's a lot of things in my life that make me happy i am completely 100 percent um can say that my family is is you know is my happiness um, I got a great family. I've all, I've been blessed with a great family. I have really great friends, and I have a lot of people to go to. You know, anytime that I need somebody, there's always somebody there to answer my questions. And I know my grandmother, Brenda Jane from the from the Fiddles and Rain song. She ha, she she hears everything that's going on all the time. You know, spend a lot of time in a vehicle, um, going back and forth to these gigs. You know, even through the week, some of these things are two and three hours away. You run down there and play them, and then run back home. But I call her, tell her about everything that's going on. You know, we spend a lot of time on the phone together catching up. So, <clears throat> as far as 
you know, just letting stuff go. There, you know, there there isn't a whole lot of spare time. This this summer, we I actually took some time away from music. Um, not completely. I still played, but you know, we went to Florida and then did some stuff. And we went to the mountains a couple of times and just kind of had some little getaways. And, and that right there, in itself, is just really good for anybody. You know, to work and any kind of vacation you can take is good. Luckily. Um, I'm actually working for a company out of Mooresville, Southeast Turf. They were saying I was selling stuff. I am selling artificial grass. Um, there's a lot of people in the world that sell grass, but mine's legal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it was like I, I was very fortunate to, to meet these people that I work for. And um, I, I worked for them for about three years, close to three years, installing. They were always pretty lenient on my schedule. But now i got a, a job where I can do a lot of this stuff from home. Um, so I'm here. That's that's a great thing. Uh, any t- any time that we have where where we're not working or we're not playing, you know, we're trying to do something um, around here. Riker loves riding the golf cart. We got dirt bikes. Um, we spend as much time as we can outside and and just you know just being doing doing normal family stuff is just as good for me as anything because you get so tied up playing music where. You know, you're used to never being home and stuff like that. So when you do slow down and get to do that sort of thing, it's just, it's great. And, um, you know, he's getting older too. So I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of hunting and that sort of stuff. That's definitely my go-to to to escape is getting in the woods, getting in the water. Um, That's that's just what I like. And I always have been, do do my best, even so with playing music, you know, I, I know, and during duck season, I'm going to be coast. I'm going to be here and there. So I try to set it up where I can go play a couple of days and be in the area of where I'm going to need to be to, to shoot some ducks or whatever. So right. um, it's always been a strategically planned. I, I, I spend more time planning uh, stuff around going hunting than, than anything else. If I gave as much time to all the other things I need to be doing as I do to to make sure I get to go hunting and probably be a little bit more successful anyway. Right. Uh, you need to get with me some this this fall. Uh, I know we're both in and Gaffney or whatever. Uh, we have about 60 acres every year. I, um, I'm the only one that hunts. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt at all to have an extra person over here hunting. I got two, <clears throat> excuse me, I got two nice 10 points on my trail camera for this upcoming year. So if you ever need to take a break and Getting some new woods, holler at me. More well, just hunting. just as soon as this podcast airs, there'll be people, all all kinds of people, ready to go hunting with you. <laughs> you, you just you just released a deadly secret on on your podcast, but no, for sure, man, you could give me a call anytime you need a you need a buddy to come hunting with you because I'm there. Right. Uh, now, I just kind of start wrapping it up. I know you got. I would say you got a lot of stuff left to do and stuff like that. But uh, go ahead and tell us. You know. Kind of what do you have planned for the upcoming uh, next few weeks? Like, where we can catch live and stuff like that. I know you play a lot around here. What can we expect from you as far as, you know, you said new music. You guys are working on a new record and stuff like that. When when can we expect all that kind of stuff? Um, I'm not 100% sure on when we're going to get the record done. We have almost all the demos done to take to the studio. Um, I make my records with my buddy Corey Hunt. He's also a singer-songwriter. He made the URI Mountain EP start to finish. Um, a lot of guys that play with him and play on his records were part of that, and um, and he co-wrote some of the songs on that record. And 
Um, my guitar player now, Wes, he's in Greenville. He's he's made all these demos pretty much, you know, for the band members to be able to learn the songs and have something to listen to. We take that to the studio and build off of that. So we are um, in the planning process of getting getting everything lined up to make this next record, and I, I hope to have it out before the end of the year. Um, but it, it is a, you know, just like me and you having trouble getting getting on this call, you know, it was it's a right. struggle to get two people that play music predominantly for a living to be able to sit down and, and make a record. It's, there's a lot that goes into it, and, um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're working on getting there. We've actually been talking about this past week about, locking in some dates to make sure that we're we're there and working on it but as far as playing um i actually play i don't know when this thing's gonna air but um i'm playing friday the night it'll tomorrow. air i'm not trying to interrupt you i'm sorry but good uh it'll air it'll air this afternoon when we get off of here like i told okay. you not third shift so when we get off here i'll take my nap i'll wake up i'll edit it and i'll post it so it'll it'll air today so you can go ahead and so I play in Greenville tomorrow at the Pump House. Um, I play on the tenth in Asheboro at the Sunset Theater. We're doing a hospice benefit. Corey Hunt does a uh, annual hospice benefit. Me, him, and Todd Almond are playing on Saturday the tenth in Asheboro. There. Um, let's see. I'm playing at Backwoods Music Festival in Spartanburg on the sixteenth, Friday the sixteenth. I'm probably going to end up playing there Saturday too during the day, um, like an acoustic set or something. I uh, play the 18th on Sunday at a place called Blue Blaze Brewery in Charlotte with Marty Brooks. Um, let's see here. Pay, I play Wednesday the 28th at uh, Powdersville Pub, Piedmont, South Carolina. I'm playing the Carolina Western Pub in Columbia, South Carolina on the 30th. It's a Friday. And um, that's pretty much wrapping up August there. Um Every other Wednesday, for people that's listening to this thing, we do a thing at Old Dallas Brewery, and it's like an original songwriter showcase. And, and sometimes we have five people show up. Sometimes we have ten. It was actually last night. So it's every other Wednesday. Um, the next one will be on the 21st of August. And it's a Wednesday night thing. It's start at 7, usually go to about 10. Um, and it's just a place for people to come and play original music and uh, it's in a good atmosphere because everybody there is either there to listen to music or they're there to play music and when you leave from that it takes a couple of days but you actually wind up with videos from your performance that are edited you know song by song and it's a good marketing tool it's a good thing to have to get your songs out to people and um it's just uh, it's a really cool thing, and it's growing. I, I, I'll try to promote that as much as I can because we definitely want people to come and, and see that. It's in Dallas, North Carolina, Old Dallas Brewery. Good beer, good music, good people every other Wednesday. So, you know, all my socials, I try to keep this stuff posted. Um, Tyler Hatley on Facebook. You like that page, and you can see, you know, where we're going to be playing. I try to keep that updated the best I can, and um, – Instagram and all that sort of stuff, you know, just keeping the ball rolling. Yeah, uh, I, I need to get out to one of those ODB songwriter deals. I, uh, I've heard all the stuff you said about it, and I also heard uh, Justin Clyde Williams talking about it, and he described it as uh, where you can go to a bar and hear people play original music without worrying about some drunk fucker hollering, play some Skinner. So I, as soon as I... <laughs> 
since I heard that, I was like, hey, I, I need to go to that. It sounded pretty good. But uh, Yeah, that's a pretty adequate description, I would say. <laughs> now, uh, I, I plan on being at the Backwoods Music Fest there, so hopefully maybe we'll meet up there, some, uh, grab a beer or something like that. We're playing maybe a hunt or something for deer season. But uh, the, the last thing I want to ask you kind of conversation-wise before we kind of uh, end this is we've been talking about songwriting and your processes and all that, but uh, – you say something that uh, I say all of your life because I don't know because obviously I haven't been to all of them. But the one that I've been to, all the stuff I've seen on like YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that, when you're playing live, you say something. You say it almost to the same effect every time. You say, uh, I just want to thank all of you for supporting original music. What does the term original music mean to you? Whether it's Tyler Hatley or Justin Clyde Williams or whoever, like, I guess what I'm asking is, what does original, what do you feel like original music means to the landscape of music in general? You know, for for me, um, you know, just it all comes down to the fact of there's so much there's so much music that that's being played out there, whether it's at a at a bar where a DJ's playing music or you know a cover band or whatever, and there, it's it's harder for a songwriter to go into a place, especially where nobody knows them, and play their own stuff. You know what I mean? Like, if if my band were to get up on stage and play two hours of Travis Tritt and Brooks and Dunn and Garth Brooks and stuff like that, we're more than likely going to gain new fans, and we're more than likely going to have people that's, like, singing along and having a good time. When you can take that um, energy, you know, when we, when we go out there and we play our own songs for two hours, you know that's that's supporting original music. If you're there and you're listening to the guy that you've never heard of, and and you're giving him a shot, you know that's at, at the end of the day, that's that's what it takes for us. You know, we're never going to just all of a sudden be a household name. Um, it's it's a growing process. A lot of people that have made it to bigger platforms and are doing it on a bigger scale have started. Just like we, just like we are here, you know, playing for people, and a lot of times you're playing for the same people. But you just hope that in these in these shows where you're 100 miles away from home or you're 500 miles away from home, you just hope that you know at the end of, at the end of that show at least a couple people grasp what you had to say and and kind of bought into what you're doing because those couple people tell a couple people and those couple people tell a couple people. It's something that I heard uh, one of my favorite songwriters, B.J. Barham, say. Yeah, almost all of his shows is thank you for coming out and supporting live original music, and um, and now that I've started saying it, you know, all the time, you, you hear that a lot from people just like us. You know, it's it's one thing to go go hear a local cover band, and I'm not I'm not knocking them at all. They're making money, and, and a lot of the guys are extremely talented. You hear a lot of these guys playing songs just like they're recorded, and you hear them on the radio. That's sort of thing. I'm definitely not knocking them, but just. Um, to support, to be a person to support live original music, it's you know that's that's part of a, a working team. They might not know they're on our team, but definitely are. Right. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that answer there. That's that's extremely honest. Uh, what you said, people can find you on social media. I know I follow you on Facebook. Uh, shame on me, I don't on Instagram. You, do you have Twitter or no or? Yeah, I have it. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not on there as much as I used to be. I used to catch a buzz and, and say whatever came to my head on there, and I kind of try to 
stray away from that once I found out my grandmother had one of them things. <laughs> I think one time I tweeted something like, I just want to get hammered and drive 100 miles an hour in the wrong, in the wrong lane. And I probably was thinking that at the time, but that's not, that's not something I need to be telling everybody, you know? Right. Oh, no. I, uh, Twitter will get your ass in trouble. I remember one time when I was in college, my mom, my mom called and jumped my ass for something. I forget what I had done. I went on Twitter and I said something about it. I didn't say my mom specifically, but uh, it didn't take a rocket scientist, especially if you were my mom, knowing the conversation, to read it to know that I was tweeting about her. And I got a phone call back that was 10 times worse than the original one. <laughs> After that, I was like, all right, I'll never tweet about my mom again. And then I realized that my mom followed me on Twitter all along. I had no clue. So, uh, <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I agree. Twitter will get your ass in trouble in a heartbeat. You're, uh, you are a Mountain EP. Uh, I know some people do the Apple Music thing. I personally have it on Spotify. Where all is that available? It's uh, it's available on all the major streaming platforms. Um, Google Play, Amazon Music, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people get burnt out on four songs, but that Red Arrow session that you were talking about earlier on YouTube and stuff like that. That's probably um, a pretty good example of what we have going on right now. Um, I was in between bands right there. Um, I, I have Matt Parks from the Piedmont Boys and Justin Clyde Williams playing with me on that thing. And um, I think that's a great representation of the songs and um, proud of that. Had a, had a really good time down there at Red Air Studios. That's a great thing to check out if, if you haven't. Um, and, you know, just around the river bend, we're going to be putting out a new record. And I will, um, you know, once we once we get a little bit more solid plan and get some stuff in stone, you know, I'm going to start promoting that thing as good as I can. I'm probably going to try to do like a pre-sale launch, um, you know, like a, a CD package, um, like a CD t-shirt type thing and try to generate some funds. I see a lot of people doing stuff like that nowadays. So uh, we're probably going to make that available for pre-order, um, you know, a couple months prior to the release. Um, I don't have a whole lot of plans for it yet, man. I know what songs are going to be on it and stuff like that, but I'm not exactly sure right. what we're going to what we're going to call it and stuff like that. I, I that URI Mountain came from where I recorded it at, um, Corey Studios, URI Mountain Sound, and. Um, he was like, I don't know, man. I think I'm probably going to name a record that. And I said, well, you can. <laughs> but I think I'm going to name my record that too. So um, I'm really blessed to have the friends that I have, man. And I know I've touched on that a lot with my friends and family but being a big part of my life. But I have some great friends, especially through music. I've met friends playing music um, that have turned out to be some of the best, most genuine friends that I'll ever have. Lifelong friends, I always like to call them. Um, you know, there's way too many to start naming, but I have I've been blessed to meet as many people as I've met, and even people that don't play music. I've met a lot of really good friends that I speak to daily or weekly um, that I would have never met without without that guitar in my hand. So music's definitely been a blessing to me. Um, I definitely think that um, you know God gives everybody a reason to be here, and um, I feel like God gives everybody some kind of gift, whether they, you know, a lot of people make go, go a long time thinking that they don't have any gifts, and um, a lot of a lot of times they do, and they don't even know it. And just being able to bless others and being able to help others, I think, is a is a God given gift. And 
Um, I know a lot of people that say I have no talents at all, but those are the people that are some of the best people to meet. But for me, I know, I know that um, uh, I've, I've been extremely blessed just to be able to do this thing. It's not a big level. Um, it's not a lot of money. It's not glamorous or anything like that. But to be able to play my songs for people and to be able to have music out there and stuff like that just – it's just a way of expression, you know, like anything else. Um, but I just, you know, I thank God that I was given the ability and confidence to be able to do this. Um, whether it gets any bigger than this or not, you know, I, I've had so many people uh, over the years tell me that they, they liked it, appreciated it. Um, you know, people say that they're touched by songs. I actually had a guy tell me one time that I saved his life my music saved his life he was depressed he heard my music he met me i was nice to him we've we created a bond and uh, and he's a lifelong friend and i'm forever grateful for people like that that um, you know they make it worth all the times that you drive three four hundred miles away and, and not make no money and not make no new fans and stuff like that you know there, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, you know i just can't say thanks enough to all the people who support it it's Right. So it's a never-ending process of, of building this thing and like i said people say you know what's it you know what are you gonna do if you ever make it and as far as i as far as i'm concerned i've made it you know i get to do this um as much as i want to um and i just i love it i love my life I, and i'm just i'm happy um for the first time in a very long time i'm completely happy with everything that's going on and I wouldn't change anything right now. I mean, right, right. No, I totally agree. Uh, I can, I can kind of see your work ethic and the amount of work and time that you put into it. I, I don't see a, a reason in the world why why it shouldn't grow. I'm, I'm not saying that you'll be the next George Strait or anything. But hell, Lord knows, I hope you do. I, mean, I wouldn't wish no bad upon you at all. But uh, like you said, you know, even if even if it doesn't get any bigger than you playing it. Old Dallas Brewery and Red's Watering Hole. I, I mean, you, you make damn good music and you're ultra talented and you've uh, developed quite a following around here. And I, I can tell just hearing you talk about it how thankful you are for music and what it's done for your life. So I wish you all the best. Uh, last thing, I try my best to promote you. Uh, you were talking about a t shirt, album package deal, or whatever. That, that'd be a hell of a deal to come out with it. But I saw on Facebook, you. You have some badass T-shirts out right now. How can people listen and go order those? Um, the best way for those those shirts is just you know um, hit us up on that on that Facebook page, the Tyler Hatley Facebook page. Um, we I actually just shipped out a big order yesterday. Me and Roger went to the post office and shipped it out. And just having people that um, you know, first of all, somebody that's wearing your name on a T-shirt is. Um, it's like a, a walking poster for for people to see, and that's that's really cool. People that support you know buying merch and stuff like that is is another part of this whole moving thing. Um, wearing hats and t-shirts and stuff like that that's always cool, especially if you see them somewhere you know somewhere else uh, at a at another concert or something. You see your name on a shirt. It's like somebody spent their hard-earned money to represent you, and that's that's super cool and. Um, you know, I'm going to try to start shipping those things out about once a week as people order them and stuff like that. But coming to the live shows, that's the best way. You don't have to pay for shipping, and you get to hear the show, take you a little part of the show home with you, whether it be a hat or a shirt or 
or whatever. But um, yeah, we're gonna try to keep that stuff updated. Is a little bit better than I have in the past. Just a, um, it's a, it's a chore. Like I said before, just trying to keep a band booked throughout the year is a full-time job in itself. And I try to do as much of that stuff by myself as I can. Um, I do have help. Um, I do have a guy that helps do some booking for us and I'm very thankful for him. And he plays music for a living too. So he kind of knows the struggle and everything. So um, at the end of the day, you know, it's just all about that supporting live, support what you like, whether, whether it's baseball or, or music or, you know, bowling league, pool league, you know, people passion, people are passionate about stuff and, and you like it and support what you like. And one thing that I've, I've been preaching this for about six months now, just because it stands out to me so much is instead of talking junk about stuff that you don't like, like I see a lot of these things on, on Facebook talking shit about Florida Georgia line and Luke Bryan. And I'm not saying that I listen to that sort of stuff at all. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say that I don't. I could. I don't really want people to perceive me as somebody that's going to run my mouth about any kind of music. But my thing about it is, if you would take that energy that you're spending talking shit about something and put it to supporting what you like, I mean, what makes more sense to do? You know, you can right. put, some, put something else down and run your mouth about it, and it, at the end of the day, end up looking like a jackass. Or you can say, "Hey, check out this. This is what I like." You know, it's like. It takes the same amount of energy. It takes the same amount of doing, doing to put it on your Facebook or whatever. And um, at the end of the day, if you don't like something, you're talking trash about it, you're still drawing attention to it. So why not take all this, you know, I'm just saying support what you like and shut the hell up if you don't like it. That's no, my, I, that's I my, agree. That's my thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way uh, sitting in uh, a bar in Spartanburg talking to talking to someone hell it might have been the freight yard come to think of I think it was uh me and another guy he's a complete stranger we were talking about music and he mentioned something might have been Kane Brown or something I'm I'm very outspoken about that it's kind of got me in trouble sometimes just sticking my foot in my damn mouth but I uh he, he said something and he mentioned country radio and like I said I'm not an artist and I'll never be one but I love country music and I I said something about I said, well, I don't listen to country radio. And he said, why don't you listen to country radio? I said, because I like fucking country music. They don't play country music on country radio. And the, the complete stranger just gave me some grandpa advice and said, uh, well, you know, that's that's cool that you feel that way. But uh, if you don't like country radio, then turn the shit off and listen to what you like and tell whoever about whatever you like. You don't have to listen to it. But as for me, I'm going to listen to country radio, and I don't care if you like it or not. So kind of like what you said, that, that's the truth. And uh, that uh, one thing that I can tell I already like about you and hearing you talk is the way that you, you spread positivity. You haven't said anything negative about anything, and there's plenty of room and a world full of nev- uh, negativity. Sorry, I forgot how to say it for a minute. A uh, world full of negativity. You have nothing but positivity about it and the, the stuff that you're passionate about. So that's uh, really appreciate that, and I really appreciate you coming on here. I wrap up one a little bit longer than I planned, but I'll let you get back to the rest of your day and all that stuff. And hopefully, we'll have you on again sometime. Good luck with making your new music and all that stuff. And if you ever need a platform to get the word out about something, just let me know. You're more than welcome on here anytime you want to be. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and um, 
and I appreciate all the kind stuff you said, man. That's the, the, the being positive thing has definitely been something that I've acquired. Um, so, you know, it's just part of that whole thing I was saying earlier. I, I found, found a greater meaning to a lot of this shit going on. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm fortunate enough to, I, I was fortunate enough to, to get to where I'm at and, and understand these things before it was too late, I guess, you know. Right. Totally. All right. Well, for Tyler Hatley, I'm Clay Scruggs. We're signing off. Thanks, folks. Have a great day. And there you have it. Hope that you guys all enjoyed my conversation with Tyler Hatley as much as I did. Uh, we've got some real treats coming up as far as episodes, so stay tuned to the Facebook page. Stay tuned to Spotify, Google Play, Breaker, Anchor, all that stuff. I'll have it all posted there as quick as I can. So appreciate it and consider the source.